I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. What's up, everyone? This is Noah Daniels, and welcome back to The Real Hauntings Podcast. In this episode, Nick's mom calls in and tells one of the scariest ghost stories we've ever heard. After this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and send us an email at realhauntingspodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear your scary ghost stories and share them on the podcast. All right, guys, keep it spooky and enjoy the episode. All right, well, we've actually got your mom on the line. (laughs) Hey, mom, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. And can you introduce yourself for our listeners? Uh, my name's Kelly, and I'm Nick's mom. But you can just call me mom. <laughs> okay, great. All right, mom. <laughs> and um, Nick was telling us that you had a very specific instance that you wanted to share with us today. Yeah. Um, for about, so I'd say 35 years, I've worked in healthcare. And I worked various jobs, like nursing homes, hospice houses, things like that. So... I've kind of seen some iffy things, some things that you can't quite explain. But one particular incident was in the town, a small town in Iowa where Nick grew up. We have a nursing home there, and it's called the Eastern Star Masonic Home. And it was built in 1906. And if you would happen to Google that, um, you would see pictures of it. And it's kind of terrifying. The, the first building was just, it looked terrifying. 
So over the years, they've built on to it and, and done really great things to it. But back in the 90s, I took a job there as a CNA. And there's two sections to this huge building. And one section, the upstairs and overways, was called the residential area. And the residential area had never really been updated that much. I mean, you'd think over 100 years they would have updated, but they really didn't. They, like, painted a little bit, and they do little things, but it was, it was just creepy as hell. I'm just going to say that. It just looked creepy. It smelled creepy. It was just creepy. And the newer part was the healthcare center, and that's where the medically fragile uh, residents lived. Um, they are confused or um, just, you know, medically frail, needed more care, whereas the residential area, the the old part was people that, you know, may needed somehow tying the shoes, um, walking down the hall, just very simple things. But in that residential area that had never really been remodeled, underneath that was the basement. And when it was built in 1906, it was also the morgue. And we were always going to talk that we were going to go down there, but nobody ever really wanted to go down there. But through other staff and, and things, we'd always heard stories about this residential area where people would see things and they would hear things and they'd be walking down the hallway in the summertime. And it was hot as hell in that side because the residents only had air conditioners in their room. So you'd just be sweating to death. You'd be wa- walking along and all of a sudden like this arctic blast of air would hit you. Like something just went right through you. And I had that happen a couple times and I, you know, whatever. Didn't think much of it. So this one particular night, I was working the overnight shift, and the residential side was pitch black all the time. The, like, if you can imagine, like, the old insane asylums, how the lights flicker and they buzz, it was kind of like that at night. And your imagination would take off, and you'd be like, oh, God. But when we did rounds, we had to check on residents, and it was so dark, you had to use a flashlight. Well, over in this residential area, some of the healthcare residents... Just a few of them, because I should say that when they lived in healthcare and when they got started needing more help, then they transfer them down to the healthcare center. Well, over in the residential, they had this big, huge whirlpool tub. It was in this big bathroom, and it was kind of sterile looking. There wasn't pictures on the walls, but we had this particular woman that lived in healthcare, and I will never forget her name. It was Mabel, and she loved that whirlpool tub. She was blind. Um, She couldn't walk. She couldn't wheel herself in her wheelchair. She just sat um, in her chair, hunched over, and she screamed for people to take her to this whirlpool tub. So her staff would bring her upstairs all the time, and it wasn't uncommon for her to be sitting in that whirlpool room, just sitting there waiting for a bath. Even if it wasn't her bath day, if you told her that, she would just have a fit, cuss you out. So she just pretty much hung out up there because she liked it. I don't know why, but she liked it. She'd get her baths there, and staff would take her back down, but then the next day it was always the same thing. She wanted to go upstairs. She'd say upstairs, and they'd take her. So... The night that I was working the overnight shift, it was probably two o'clock in the morning. I got my flashlight, my keys, and I was walking down the south hallway, and I walked past the whirlpool room, and I took a step back because I thought I saw someone in there, and I flipped on the light, and it was Mabel, and I'm like, it's two o'clock in the morning. What in the hell is she doing up here? So I said, just a minute, Mabel, and so I went back to the nurse's station because we had phones that we would call each other on in the other buildings, and I called, and the nurse answered. And I said, hey, and I can't remember the nurse's name. I said, 
I don't know what happened, but Mabel is sitting up here waiting for her bath. I said, I just walked by, saw her in there. I said, did somebody bring her up? And we forgot about her, and I didn't see her, because Mabel was really quiet. She wouldn't say anything. And then she got really quiet, and she goes, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, she's sitting up here. And she goes, Kelly, we did uh, two o'clock rounds, and we found Mabel dead in her bed. She's dead. And I just got this chill, and I hung up the phone, and I went back down to the Whirlpool room. Nobody was in there, and the light was still on. I will never forget that. That was, she was sitting there. I know that was her, she was sitting there. So that's my creepy story. Wow. Oh my gosh, I just got chills listening to that. (laughs) It gave me chills too, because it was such a common thing to see this old woman. I mean, she was a staple there. She loved that room, she loved that bath. She loved everything about it. So she'd just sit up there. She loved it in there. And so I was walking down the hallway and I thought, oh my God, somebody brought her up here and we forgot about her. And so I didn't get too stressed out about it. I'm just like, oh geez, because she'd never say anything. And I said, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be right back. And I went and told the nurse and it was just dead silence. And she said, Kelly, Mabel, we found her dead in her bed on two o'clock round. She's gone. I'm like, oh my God, I just got chills. I was just... When I went back and saw she wasn't there, that, I mean, I've seen some weird things, but that made a believer out of me. There's some weird things that happen in those places. Wow. That is crazy. (laughs) I mean, I think that's maybe the first story we've heard of someone seeing a ghost that was someone they actually knew. Yeah. 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 When I worked at the hospice house, we would see, you know, because so many people died there. We would hear things all the time. Things would go flying off of shelves. TVs would turn on and off. But, and you would see people walking around, like, out of the corner of your eye. And it looked more like, I don't know, like, when you see in the movies, kind of like a vapory type thing. It was like that. But this was a person. This was her sitting there. Yeah. She had her shawl over her shoulders. Um, and Nick and I, and people kind of make fun of us, we are super sensitive to things like that. Nick, do you want to back me up on this? No, Mom, I already <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> we just, just talked I'm about it. I'm super sensitive to death and <laughs> and things like that. I've never been afraid of death. Um, I've uh, Working in hospitals and things like that, I've sat with people while they they passed away and passed over and it was always just a calming thing and I've just seen things that I I can't I can't explain and I dated this guy one time and he lived in this creepy old house and every time I would go upstairs I would get a horrible stomach ache I would get a horrible stomach ache I would feel sick I'd have a headache and as soon as I left the house I was fine do you think that's why you were drawn to that part of the medical field is because that connection you had to the dead never been I mean people are so freaked out by death and I've always kind of not really been obsessed with it but I'm fascinated by it it doesn't scare me it doesn't um because I've seen it so often it it doesn't scare me it's it's almost a comforting thing but in the same sense I'm kind of desensitized to death because I've had people die like friends that I've known and I felt sad about it but I was just like you know, oh, they died. So it kind of goes both ways, but things like that seem to be drawn to me. Um, 
I don't know, people want to talk to me about it. People want to want me to comfort them. And I always do. It's just, I'm just so comfortable with that when a lot of people aren't. Wow. While working in hospice, have you noticed where people who are, are about to pass, do they kind of have any sort of like supernatural experiences of, I don't know, people say like you see a light or seeing like yes. other family members who have already passed? I have seen, um, like the day before they pass, they start, <clears throat> they start reminiscing. It's called, well, kind of the week before they pass, it's called reminiscing and they start reminiscing about life and they start, you know, wanting to talk to people and wanting to, wanting to tell stories. And that's kind of just kind of their acceptance. And then, um, as they get closer and closer to death, um, they start seeing family members. I've had, um, an elderly woman that I was sitting with be completely comatose. And she said to me, Hey, and Ben was her husband of so many years. Ben's here. And he, he's he says he has the door open for me. I was like, Oh wow. And she described, you know, in this lucid moment, he's got his flannel shirt on and he keeps saying, come on, Genevieve, come on. And she said, I'm going to go pretty soon. And then she died like the next day, probably. Oh, wow. Just really, really vivid things. And, and what do you think it is about your makeup that keeps you from being afraid of death? And I only ask that because I'm terrified of death. So what, <laughs> how do you overcome kind of that natural fear? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, as a kid, I was always fascinated with it. I'm a huge animal lover, and I'm and I hate to say this, but I can watch a person die before I can watch an animal die. Oh, I relate I mean, to that. Easy, 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 easy. <laughs> but I was just always really drawn to like medical things and what happens to the body after death and um, things like that. So then I started watching shows and anything I could look up, I would look up and watching um, as I got older, like videos about autopsy and how the body works. And I think I just got comfortable with it because I educated myself on it. Mom, you would always, I always remember vividly growing up whenever there is, you know, a high profile crime case, you would always just have it on the TV constantly. Oh my God, yes. And I'm like obsessed with like the first 48 hours and crime documentaries and serial killers. And people think I'm nuts, but Nick loves that too. And I think he gets it from me because I'm just all about it. You know, I always say, oh, if someone tries to kill me, I'll know how to get out of the trunk of a car. I'll know how to do this. I'll know how to do that because I'm obsessed with it. And like that, there's a show called, I think it was called Autopsy. I think it would show real autopsies and I would, I would watch it all the time. <laughs> yeah, that would freak me out. The rest of it, I agree. I love true crime, but I cannot watch an autopsy. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of gross. It's kind of gross. But then I've been in healthcare for so long, just seen so many things and the human body is amazing things that that happen to you when you die and the, and when you die it's not like what you see on tv you don't close your eyes you don't go to sleep and it's beautiful it's it's almost never like that <laughs> almost never well i feel comforted <laughs> <laughs> so well in that most of, the time, most of the time if you're like dying of cancer or something they give you enough drugs and enough Ativan and Xanax and all that, that you're just relaxed and in a coma and don't really know what's going on. So that should give you comfort. <laughs> well, and that makes me think too, like, um, you know, some of the those like near-death experiences where people, uh, like you mentioned, see uh, past uh, 
or family members who've already passed yeah. or people who have like out of body experiences you know do you do you believe that there really is something supernatural going on there or do you think that you know our brains might just start seeing uh images that either comfort or or terrify us when we're kind of at that state of almost going and you know i can't speak for everyone um i and you know a lot of people won't agree with me and that's fine but i don't believe that there's a man in the sky that you know and we and we live this other life and and i'm pretty much an atheist but i'm very spiritual and i think that when we die I have felt people's energy as they passed on and it's just this warm feeling and I think when we die our energy still remains around us and um, I think that's a lot of what it is and I think our body is programmed so that if you are terrified of death your body's such an amazing thing and your brain is so amazing that it comforts you and and you may see loved ones and and you may you know see things that comfort you as you're passing i mean the sad thing is none of us are going to know until we die yeah you know we just don't know that's just my belief i just think that our brain and our body compensates for for what scares us and it comforts us yeah i just want to live forever i feel like that's not too much That's right. That's right. I don't, you know, I'm very spiritual. I've seen so many things that I think there's something out there. I I just don't think that it's a man in the sky. And, you know, I I just don't, I just don't believe that. And I don't believe in the Bible or anything like that. But I believe in life after death and I believe in spirits and, and things like that because I've seen it. Hmm. Nice. Well, we believe in you, and we appreciate uh, you coming on on our uh, podcast and sharing your stories with us. Yeah, thank oh, you're you. Very welcome. Very much to both of you. We're super happy yeah. to have you both on. And I don't know. I wonder if some of that uh, that third eye is genetic or something. I don't know. Nick has it. Nick has it. The other two, my other two kids, don't have it. Nick and I are just super sensitive to feelings, and um, we've been told that we're em- we're empaths, so we feel like we feel other people's pain and other people's joy, and it can be kind of overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. I'm a very good read of people, even if I've never met you. I can I can tell things about you, and I think that's because I'm so in tune with myself and this life and this death thing, and I don't know. Nick, is this all ring true to you? Basically, I mean, that's what I was going to say, that I don't really necessarily believe in life after death, but I'm very spiritual too. I think we were talking earlier about how it can be difficult to try to rationalize seeing what I see and also be a scientist. And I think that just plays into being spiritual. What I see is more so spiritual and not necessarily doesn't have to be based in science. I I will say that, you know, I've watched so many people pass on, whether it just be from old age or cancer or something. And I'm not knocking anyone that has, you know, a huge belief or anything like that. Not at all. I respect that 110%. You know, I think our beliefs are what keep us going and what comfort us and, you know, everything. I think that's great. But what I did notice, and I had talked to someone about this, the people that have a strong faith in God and like the elderly people, you know, the 80 and 90 year olds that were just brought up with this, you know, there's a God and this is how it is. And you act this way and this way, they pass a lot more peacefully Mm -hmm. than people who, who don't have anything to believe in. 
Yeah. It's interesting. I just kind of think of, I don't know if you're a fan of Doctor Who, but I think of the David Tennant episode mm-hmm. where he just keeps yelling, I don't want to go now. I don't want to yeah. go now. That's what I figure um, it'll be like for me. <laughs> oh. no, these elderly people, they just, for me, I talked to someone about it one time and I, and I have to see things. I have to see things and know it's real before I believe it. And of mm. course, you're not going to know if there's a God and a heaven until you die. I mean, I hope there is. I hope I'm completely wrong, but we're not going to know that. But I don't know. Our brains are just are just wired to comfort us and and everything. And these elderly people that have grown up with believing in God and going to church and, you know, there's heaven and there's hell and, and they don't falter from that at all. They go peacefully. They know where they're going. They're 100 percent sure they're going to heaven and they're going to see their relatives. So, I mean, if that comforts you and gets you, you know, through your death and the anxiety you may have about your death, then I think that's great. Cool. Yeah, no I one, think we no can all agree to that. Scared alone. And I've seen that. I've seen people die being scared alone. It's, it's not pleasant. Well, awesome. This has been a really great conversation. Thank you. Thank you both for coming on to the podcast. <laughs> Well, if, there, if there's a hell, I'll, I'll have a chair in there, I'm sure. Well, well I will see you there. We'll have good company. I have stories to tell from the 80s that probably got me there. So, but we're not going to tell those. We'll, we'll bring you back uh, when Nick is in here and you can tell those stories. I don't need to hear that. Mom. I don't need to hear that. I'll stick to hearing Perfect. your ghost stories and not about the horrible things you did in your 20s. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for you. coming on. We really appreciate it. And we might have you back on for another episode. <laughs> if that's something you do. Perfect. Perfect. I would love to do it. All right. Thanks, awesome. Nick's mom. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Great stories. As, you know, the skeptic, I got to say that, um, you know, there's... With, with each episode, I feel like the skepticism gets a little more chipped out. I'm, I'm not fully ready <laughs> to say I'm a believer in ghosts. I think... Personally, I just have to experience it myself before I can make that determination. But like I said, there's no way I can discount um, any of these stories. So. Well, I think your first move is moving into a funeral home. Yeah. Going from there. Maybe in Savannah. Yeah. A funeral home in Savannah. Just <laughs> double up. And guys, don't forget, if you have ghost stories or supernatural experiences that you would like to share, or if you'd like for your mother to call in on our podcast, please email us at realhauntingspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So that's it for us this week. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Thanks for another great episode, Nick. We loved it, man. That was one of my favorite episodes we've done so far. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.